This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. Jared, we suffered through another loss. This is uh, seeming to be a big theme of uh, this season, uh, going up against good opponents, struggling mightily, uh, at times not even having feeling like we had a chance. And uh, this was an, another one of them. And uh, it just hurts. I mean, uh, but at the same time, I, I'm almost used to it now. So maybe I'm used to the hurt. Are you? <laughs> uh, you could probably just record the first part of this about us losing like just one time and just replay that because yeah it's it's becoming a trend it's it's not becoming it is a trend yeah it's bad and and, and i feel like i'm the the worst part is i'm getting almost numb to it like i'm expecting it like i had zero faith that we would win this game (laughs) yeah i think in anything in life uh, worse than anger is apathy (laughs) <laughs> like when you reach that stage where you just don't care uh that that's not a good thing um, at yeah. least when somebody's angry that means they care yeah i mean there was maybe a couple of times in the game where i got a little angry you know like something bad happens we kept you know we had what 10 penalties and seven of them were on the offensive line i was like oh my gosh i mean i know georgia's defensive front is really tough but like seven penalties like just basic things like that that you're just like that angers me. And then I was like, well, that's who we are. I mean, we're six games in. We're halfway through the season, which is crazy still. Like, we're halfway through now. Um, and, you know, this is just who we are. We're three and three. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 going to be a struggle. I mean, Jared, do you think, you know, right now we get bowl eligible? Do you see a way to that? Um, Yeah, I see a way. And uh, it's more to do with, how bad other teams there's a lot of bad teams in the sec right now i don't think people are really even realizing how bad arkansas is right now especially without their quarterback Mm -hmm. um their defense is like one of the worst in the country um and it's at home a&m is bad i know a&m almost beat alabama but we can't forget they also lost to app state and got blown out by mississippi state they're just (laughs) not a good football team and then you got western kentucky so you know um here's the thing i could see us losing all three of those western kentucky included because if we put out like we can't run an offense Mm -hmm. and you have to score to win a game so i mean i'm not going to give any of them guaranteed wins but i could see us winning those three because they're at home yeah um but i i don't know with the current staff in place if we do so let's get into that because I, i that's i think on the top of everybody's mind you know coaching you know first off you know we had, remember, Alan Green hired, you know, Harson, and we also fired Gus, you know, pretty, you know, in that same you know, few months. And, you know, Alan Green said, hey, this is our guy. Let's go forward with him. Now we're, you know, you know, 17 or so games in to the season or, you know, into, you know, Harson's era in uh, Auburn football. I mean, it feels like that was the wrong hire. Am I wrong? Or is, no. is there... <laughs> You are not wrong, sir. And this, listen, I'm somebody that supported him just from the standpoint of he was, I mean, I try to go on facts, right? He was the third winningest coach in college football at the time. Um, He came from a program that utilized probably lesser talent 
and obviously we are we're never going to get what Georgia and Alabama get not why Saban and Kirby are there so can he utilize uh four stars and yeah. some and find some three-star diamonds in the rough which we probably did with Jarquez Hunter mm-hmm. they've done a little bit of that um so there was some things there to like but I was talking today I was ta- I got another group of uh, buddies that I'm with and I'm like the one thing that you absolutely cannot miss on and I feel like this would be very easy to figure out with due diligence is how does he handle recruiting? Mm-hmm. And Harson, I'm not saying Harson doesn't care about recruiting, but Harson is not putting in anywhere near the effort that Saban and Kirby are, and they don't even have to anymore. Yeah. So the new kid on the block is acting like he doesn't have to do what they're doing. Right. Well, I was listening to, I think maybe it's another podcast or like college football podcast, and they were talking about how and it it hit me like uh, the first couple years even your first year of recruiting is a good indication of how good of a recruiter you are now i know he he kind of came into this you know not mm-hmm. even having a full cycle in the second year yeah that's kind of what you're gonna expect in this you know statistically that's what you're gonna get with harson and that's you know especially for auburn with the amount of money we have that flows into our program and the notoriety i mean for goodness sakes literally what nine years ago we were in the national championship game it's not that far removed and then even 2017 had a chance if only we could beat georgia in the sec championship so it's it's not like we're that far off we're, we're a lot closer to you know the championship level which when when you know recruits see that they're like yeah like i'll give you some you know more attention with coming to your school because Hey, guess what? I want to win a national championship. I want to go pro. Those are the things that are going through in a recruit's head. So Harson already had a pretty good hand that, you know, dealt to him just coming to Auburn and we're not getting that kind of standard of recruiting. Am I, is that off base or is that no. make sense? I, I think it should be rare, rare occasion for Auburn to be outside the top 15 in recruiting. I agree. Because of the history, because of the location mostly, um, you know, we're, we're a top 15 program historically, overall. I, we get, so we get, we're in a bubble, right? All we see is Georgia and Alabama, and we think everybody's being successful. Uh, that's not the case. Like, there's very, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Georgia's just starting to get there. We'll see if it continues. And Alabama are the ones over the last 10 years that have been super successfully consistent. Everybody else has gone through coaching changes. They're trying to, they're trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it like everybody's in the same boat. The problem is, I think what really is the problem with Auburn because I really don't think we're too a, a ton more dysfunctional than other schools. But we are not. We are the little brother in Alabama, and the media is controlled by Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so I think what if you get fed a story long enough, you start believing it, right? Right. And so I think that we start thinking, well, who's going to come to Auburn? Yeah. Um, but I talked to buddies who are not from the South and they're like, dude, I want to go to an Auburn game. I've heard the atmosphere is amazing. Y'all are awesome. You always give Alabama a game. Y'all are the only ones that can do it. Like there's, there's good vibes about Auburn on a national level. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you, you make a good point. Like, I, I just think back to like some of the top you know, articles that you, you see for, about Auburn that tend to come up. And I'm thinking about like an AL.com kind of article and some of those are 
Yeah, it seems like very bent towards Auburn as the little brother and Alabama as the big brother. So we're going to you know show a light on Auburn and its dysfunction when in reality, I mean, just look, <laughs> look no further than schools like Tennessee. And they're way more dysfunctional than us. Now they're having oh, they're- success this year. But they they went through how many coaches in a span of like a year? Three, I think it was. It was crazy. AJ, Alabama did the exact same thing before they hired Saban. They were in the exact same boat. Miami last year. (laughs) Miami Mm -hmm. hired an uh, athletic director and a coach before they had fired those people at that position at the school. And it was barely mentioned. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine if Auburn hired a new coach while they still had a coach? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's essentially what they did. Yeah. And it was a very small story. If that happened at Auburn, you'd be like, that's Auburn being Auburn. That's what Auburn does. No, you make a good point. And and I I do think there is – I don't think everybody's on the same page. And I do think some people that donate money want more input than their money should probably give that Mm -hmm. because they're not professional football coaches. However – um. I think it goes on everywhere, and I think yeah. we've been jaded into thinking it's only at Auburn. Who would come here? Yeah, and it absolutely. becomes a mentality. And I think that even the the people making the decisions that becomes a mentality. And so they're like, "Well, let's just get Kevin Steele." Mm. You're like, "No, you you got to go get a." Sp- I'm not saying splash in the sense that it looks cool. I'm saying get a splash in the sense the person can get the job done. Right. No, you make a good point, and, and there's a lot that I think you know us as fans we don't see and then we see the outcomes of it and we just start you know we see oh hey you know you know gus got fired and some people thought hey that was too soon i mean there was a trail of you know stuff that gus had done that was you know it just factually bad for the program and so you know then we see the outcome of like oh wait i I, i'm a gus fan i like gus and you know whatever you know, I'm looking back at things, you know, 2020 vision, right? And Harson is kind of in this, you know, hey, we're in the middle of this, you know, where he's not doing well. I mean, one of the craziest stats that I saw on him was, uh, what is this? Oh, yeah. In the last eight Power Five games, he's only won one. And that was, you know, Missouri. And you look at that and you're like, wow, that's not a good look. Especially when Auburn has arguably more talent than a lot of these power five teams that they're facing. So that that's the hard part for me. AJ, let's make it even worse. What's the one game? What had to happen for that one game that we're one? Oh, I mean, literally the other team gave it away (laughs) twice. Like four. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like missed picks, missed field goal, some of the ball jumped off sides on our, like four things had to go wrong in the last four minutes of the game. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the one win he has. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's hard because like, you know, even thinking back to the iron bowl last year, you know, you know, what if, what if we had won that one? Do you think, I mean, do you think he would have been as much of hot water as he is now? No. And here, here's the, here's the bad thing. I don't know why. Maybe it happens at every school. Uh, I'm, I'm going to circle back around, but it happened with Gus. Uh, Gus's offense was never the same after we had a, uh, I call it the butt fumble against A&M in 2014 mm. when we were driving down to win. It never got back on track. At last year, uh, Mississippi State, when and I know Bo went down, but like even just we, that game was slipping away. There was nothing we can do, and it never got back on track for Harson. I mean, we went from being 28 to three over Mississippi State. Yep. Think about if we win that game, Bo stays healthy. We beat South Carolina without a doubt. 
would be yep. Alabama. Recruiting's better. Bo's still here. It's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But you can't let one game destroy your career. And that's yeah. essentially what happened. We have not gotten back from that. Yeah. And I don't know why. No, I don't either. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess this gets us to the, the big question. I mean, like, Harson being fired. Like, should it? I think almost everybody that I've talked to, I feel like there's a handful of people that are like holding on hope. I think there's a chance that he can stay and, you know, give just give him time, give him time. And I'm like, I don't think there's any coming back from this. I mean, is like, what's your thoughts on this? Like getting fired mid season, end of season, like, or not at all this year. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk in a more professional. I mean, when I'm, when I'm in the heat of the moment, I'm like, yeah, fire him. I, I do think, I do think we have to move on, but, but I do want to make the point, like these are people's lives and it's going to affect, you know, Harson will be very wealthy after this. Uh, the assistant coaches, not so much. They'll, they'll be okay, but there's a lot of people affected by this. So I don't want it to be like, Hey, it's just uh yeah, get rid of him. No big deal. Let's move on. I realize it's mm-hmm. a big deal. Okay. But in everything in life there, you don't make decisions in a vacuum, right? This isn't about Harson directly. This is about, okay, if we don't do this, consequences are what happens to Auburn Mm -hmm. and so you got to think about that and I think at the end of the day it it did not work the experiment didn't work and you know we can hang on for another year but then we're that much further behind in recruiting if AJ I've said this I think on every podcast we've done where we talked about it if he was even number 15 right now in recruiting as much as it would hurt me to watch what happened Saturday and say yeah let's give him I would still probably be like hey Let's give him a shot. If we had some yeah. O-line commits, like big time, we, had, we didn't have a quarterback for 2023. If we had a quarterback commit, we had some positive vibes. Okay, let's give it one more year. We have none of that. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing Harson can point at and say, I mean, the only, he brought us white face mask and orange face mask, and they look really cool. Um, that's Yeah, but also, point. like, how much was that, you know, in the works already, and Gus was just like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Did he just say, approve this? Like, is that it? <laughs> yeah, it, and it may not even be him <clears throat> be him that did it. But, you know, that's the only thing. You're in your performance review. What have you done good? Well, I mean, I, our white face masks look really good with our white uniforms. Yeah. Like, that. that's not going to cut it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess kind of let's circle back to that conversation. Of like, does it need to happen middle of the year? And if so, like, what does that look like? Or just wait until the end? I, I think I think it ha- so I would typically be okay with waiting till the end of the year. I think he is actually hurting the team in game. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because he knows it's happening, so he doesn't care. He went forward on fourth and 10 yep. um, against LSU, which directly resulted in LSU driving down and scoring. Right. He went and, for and it was And it was in a bad field position to do Terrible. So. Terrible field position. He went for a fake punt against Georgia yep. that directly resulted. AJ, I'm not going to. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating here. If we don't do that fake punt, I, I, I could argue we probably go into halftime 0-0. Because yeah, or, or at worst, 0-7. Zero 7-0 seven. Seven, at worst. Everything plays out different if we don't do that fake punt. So I, I highly doubt the exact same punt and then punt return that led to their other seven happens, right? It's probably a different – Yeah. the whole thing's different. Yeah. You well, can make the deflates, argument we go into 0 I mean, I feel like that deflates your team because you're like – okay, awesome, we're going to go for it, go for it. And, like, it just is a complete flop. And guess what? Georgia is ready to go 
and they got their offense going, score a touchdown. And you're like, well, crap. Like this was about to be, honestly, I was kind of in, you know, anticipating a little bit of a punting battle back and forth, a field position back and forth, back and forth before a team would score. And that, that kind of kick-started things with touchdowns and actual scoring. Yes. And, and so back to your question, I think he's hurting the team. Like, I, I, I don't think you can even make the argument that this is better for the team to him to remain the coach. I think he's being reckless with his play calling on the field that is putting the team in a worse spot. Mm. And so that is why I think you need to make the decision. Yeah. No, I – I think I'm coming around to that idea because again, I'm the same mindset. I would probably prefer in most scenarios, let it play out. We'll finish the season and just, you know, move on after literally iron ball Sunday morning, give them a call or for goodness sake, Saturday night, give them a call and say, you're done, get out. But that, that doesn't seem, I mean, like, honestly, I, I think our team, and again, like you and I, I think, and most Auburn fans are, what is best for this team? And I think Auburn's going to win more games without Harson. And that's hard to I say think, for me. Because, again, I, I was I on the boat of Harson. I thought he was a pretty good pick on paper, right? Seemed like he could figure it out. We had issues with quarterbacks. So what did we do? We hired a quarterbacks coach. That's Harson. He's, you know, done helped Kellen Mond and, like, all these great quarterbacks. And this is where we're at. Uh, an ineffective offense that can't do anything when we're having to rely on our defense and our defense over time is just going to wear out. Did you realize, and you may have this where you're going to get to it. So let's say we did make a, like we had to put an interim coach, somebody like Zach Etheridge, we've given up two passing touchdowns all year. We, from the halftime of LSU to halftime of Georgia, we had given up 40 passing yards an entire four quarters. That's pretty freaking good. Uh, we're like ranked 35th nationally in the secondary overall. We've got a two touchdown. Like put that, put somebody like that in charge, defensive minded, play field position. None of it's going to be pretty. We've talked about this. We're going to have to win ugly games, right? Yep. You're not going to win ugly games against Georgia. You're not going to win ugly games against Alabama. But everybody else in the SEC is kind of beatable right now. Not Tennessee, but we don't play them. Everybody else on our record. Yeah. You know. Even Ole Miss struggled with Vanderbilt, and really Kentucky gave them five turnovers two weeks ago. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that there's anybody on that schedule where you're like, hey, if we don't play sound defense and field position, you know, we we still can't even win. the. I think almost everybody on the schedule you could. Um, But you can't – it was a turnover. What do we preach? Turnovers. You you can tell you got me heated. We turned the ball over on purpose ourselves at their 30-yard line. Right. That is a turnover. And guess what? That is on the coaches. Like 100%. we had so many issues with, you know, the game before, you know, fumbling the ball and all that really only one, you know, turnover. That was just on Robbie, whatever, like, but everything, you know, that, you know, punt that we could have potentially punted, you know, and for goodness sakes, Oscar Chapman is having a year and that, you know, flipping the field, putting them on their, you know, 25, 30 yard line that changes the game. And I feel like that you, changes it. And, and I'm going to move on from the fake point after this, but let me ask you a question. What had you done up to that point that made you think if we get this first down on the fake punt, <laughs> we're going to actually continue on and not be punting three plays from now? That's a good question, right? What had he done that made you think that? I mean, I, I, I didn't see anything. I mean, at that point I was like, I, I literally looked at my wife and I was like, we're done. Like if we're resorting to this already, we're done. 
Like, I know you have to pull out some crazy plays against Georgia to beat them, but that's not the scenario to do it. A scenario where you do a fake punt is you're on, you know, Georgia's side of the field and, you know, you're kind of in that weird zone of like, do you like punt it or run a play? Like that's, that's what you do. You run a fake punt there. Right. Like, Cause you, you might, it might get you into field goal range. Right. Get some form of points. We were, okay, let's say we get that. We're now at their 40. Yeah. And we have not moved the ball at all. Right. Well, and, <laughs> I, and I don't know what Robbie's stats were at that point, but I mean, Robbie, this is, this is, he's a new quarterback. And, and like at one point he was three of 13 for passing. Yeah. Probably and, that point. <laughs> yeah. Probably around that point, honestly. It, and we're running a fake punt to put it back in his hands. Yeah. And so it's like, where are you, like, are you setting your team up for success? I mean, that's the key of a coach, right? Setting their players up to do their best, you know, best, most capable thing. And yet you're putting your defense back on the field in a harsh, hard situation where, guess what? George is feeling the momentum. It's in Athens. Bad decision. <laughs> Very bad decision. Yeah, I mean, if we we knew this was not going to be a seven point game, but let's say it would have been, let's say we were good enough on offense that 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 would have cost us the game. I mean, that would have been the difference. Yeah, well, and you know what's crazy is, like you said, if we you know take that you know fake punt out of things, I I you know we would have been you know at halftime like within a score or two of them, and that's really honestly not that bad. I yeah, think we we could have you know come out with a couple great plays and you know motivated our defense enough to stand tall and of course that didn't play out the way it did well, well let's say worst case it's seven nothing let's give them the other punt return good punt return seven nothing you're going to have wasn't it their first drive coming out that we created the fumble yeah and i know that we struggle right so i'm not saying we, but if everybody's morale was up so we got the fumble but it's still 14 nothing and everybody's like okay so we, it wasn't like momentum shifted if it's seven to nothing and you get that fumble, eh, that's a little different feeling in that stadium. Mm-hmm. No, it really is. And you probably have the home field fans not as, you know, you know, loud and, you know, doing their thing. Yeah. You just don't know what happens there. Maybe 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 they tense up a little more. Maybe they miss a tackle and we score a touchdown instead. You know what I'm saying? You just don't yeah. know. Anyways, okay. I'm done with the fake punt. Let's talk about penalties for a second. I mean, penalties it's just the self inflicted penalties that our team had uh, 10 over the whole game in the first half alone, we had eight. And of those penalties, again, like I mentioned, seven of them were offensive line, just dumb mistakes. I, I know our offensive line has been battered. We're on to our what, third, maybe four string center at this point. And that's just kind of where we're at. And I know they're having to go up against Georgia's defensive front, but like, is there any, you know, like to me, even a false start, that's just a mental error. And you know, holding, maybe just the guy beat you. You didn't want to like, you know, allow them to sack your quarterback. Like I get that one a little bit more. But sometimes these false starts just put you, you know, first and fifteen, and then like, guess what? <laughs> You're just putting yourself in a bad situation. Like it's not going to help you. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know the the data, but it feels like a trend now where we're not real. I know we may have had one game where we were pretty good, cleaned it up a little bit, but I feel like we're continuing to put to hurt ourselves and um that that's coaching that's not in-game coaching yeah. that is having your team mentally prepared and i mean there were many times we got it to second one um and there'd be a penalty and it'd be back to you know you know third and or second and you know 
eight or yep. whatnot. And it's like, okay, that's a whole different, or even, you know, we'd have a run, it'd be second five, but there was holding. So, you know, second and 15, stuff like that. Like that, like that, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, you cannot do that yeah. against anybody, but definitely not Georgia. Definitely not Georgia. And it, that's where I immediately felt this sinking feeling because, you know, when the, you know, fake punt happened, I was like, we're not doing anything. And because we're, we kept, you know, penalizing ourselves super early. And like, maybe there is some credit to, you know, the fans there, but like that many, I feel like they're like, you should figure that part out like that. You know, the fans shouldn't cause you to have that many penalties in a game where, you know, you have to be clean to even be in competition with them. And you're not. Well, yeah. And I know that we have a new center and stuff, but like the, the talk all off season was, okay, yes, our offensive linemen are not great, but they've all been here a long time. Yeah. And so they can probably get better. Like, I, and I don't know, some of these may not be five, four-year starters, but a lot of them have been around the program a very long time. They've been to atmospheres like Georgia. Yeah. That should not be, yeah, you, you just can't, not that many. You're going to have one or two, okay? You're yeah. going to have one or two penalties. I mean, it's just that happens in a game. You can't have that many. Yeah. And it always is at a very, I just can't, I feel like there was like three times where we would have probably wound up getting a first down because we had a decent play. And the penalty, and then boom, drives over. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that's again like to me that's the coaching prepare coaching staff preparing their players. Absolutely. If they're not doing that. Then what are we doing here? Um. So again, com- comes back to our you know right re- re- original discussion about Harson. I think it's time to move on, and I think it's time to move on sooner rather than later. Now, whether or not Auburn's going to do that. I hear I keep hearing rumblings that it's gonna they're gonna wait until the end of the year, but I also think you're especially when it comes to you know think about this you know, at the end of the season a bowl game is not only important for you know going somewhere and playing an extra game but it's so much more crucial for practices and if we have a legit fighting chance in my mind to make a bowl we have to make some big change and if that's Harson you know, getting fired and we get an interim head coach, maybe that's the change that's needed. So um, let's talk about some positive stuff because, you know, we, we're obviously a lot of us Auburn fans are pretty, you know, angsty and angry with all of the, you know, on the field stuff, but let's talk about some of the positive stuff that did happen. So, uh, you know, we, we still had tank and Jarquez and for goodness sakes, Jarquez's touchdown, <laughs> Like that was a great move because he had three Georgia guys right around him and did a little spin move. Kind of honestly reminded me of uh carry Johnson, like doing some spin moves, getting out of some tackles reminded me a lot of that and breaking out and scoring that long touchdown. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we know our running backs are capable of. And I feel like we haven't gotten to see that. And again, that's uh, to me, that's on the coaching staff. Because I think both Tank and Jarquez are not in a spot where we've seen them succeed as much as you know what we've hoped. I mean, as commentators keep saying, like, Tank's the, one of the best, if not the best, running back in the SEC. You look at his stats, they don't show that, probably mostly because of offensive line. But there's also coaching that goes into that. You know, Tank still isn't getting the ball enough. I mean, he's like 10 to 12 times a game. For a guy like Tank we should be riding him a little bit more than that. In my opinion, what's kind of your thoughts on the, you know, the, the running back and like that situation, because 
you know, both running backs are super capable for us. Yeah. Real quick, funny, funny note. My kids got into the, they're getting more into the games. And so I said, all right, I got to do my podcast tonight. What's some funny, what's some positive since you're on the positive? I said, <laughs> what's some positive things we can talk about? And my, my oldest said, well, talk about Jarquez Hunter. You know, he, he played well. And my youngest said, talk about McDonald's bringing back the boo bucket. <laughs> the, McDonald's is doing the uh, the Halloween buckets that your Happy yeah. Meal comes in, but you can use them for trick-or-treating. So that's where his mindset is. So That's awesome. For, that's a positive thing. If anybody's listening, those are coming back. Um, <laughs> as far totally off subject. I, as far as running back goes, I, I have quietly thought this for a while, and – I've been afraid to say it out loud. And I don't know that if you, the measurables at a combine, if this will be true, but I think Jarquez is a better running back for all offense. Mm-hmm. And it seems other, like it. Yeah. I, I couldn't care less. Like I would say tank because he's been there longer. Like I don't, I don't, I don't ever care who's doing well. I'm just truly watching it. And I'm like, man, it sure does feel like the offense does better when Jarquez is in there. And the play that he made, I mean, he's just hard to bring down. He's a bigger body. Hard to bring down, very agile. And, hey, we scored, was that the fourth quarter? We scored a touchdown. Yeah, so quarter. guess what? We scored points in the second half. You, you think Harson <laughs> brought that up in his uh, in his, his review with the athletic director if they do one every week? He's like, hey, you told me to score in the second half? I did. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, running back-wise, we're not utilizing them enough. Tank's not getting used enough. Jarquez is not getting used. you got to get the ball to your best players. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you do that. Yeah. And there's a couple of times I feel like a game, they go to the running back pass, but that's not enough. Like only a couple of times getting your best playmaker, the ball in open field, that that's not enough. I mean, and again, that kind of comes back to me coaching, you know, scheming things open, getting your players in the right positions. And it's just not happening. You, I, I don't, I don't, it's, it looks way more simple than it is. But when I watch Alabama, even forever, really, if you even when the Sarkeesian was like putting up tons of numbers, a lot of their passes were at the line of scrimmage or behind. It oh was yeah, just, it was it a, was a well thrown ball. Yeah, it was a well thrown ball. Even in the flat to the running back in in rhythm, great blocking downfield, and it looks simple. And we just make everything look hard, and we don't do. I will say this: I think Robbie does. You either have it or you don't. I do think on the slants, Robbie hits people in stride. Mm-hmm. I think we need to utilize that more. He misses other things, but that pass is a lot of times thrown in a, a you can't the guy can't have to reach for it. It's got to be in rhythm and you know while he's going forward. I think Robbie does that well. I think there's something we can look at and make that happen more um on the uh the screens out wide and dropping to the running back in the flat. You got to get him the ball. You got to you got to get him the ball. Yeah. And I don't know how you do it, but it's, it's got to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for <laughs> this is kind of showing you literally our regular wide receivers besides you know uh Jarquez and John Samuel Schinker who's a tight end uh, we only had 20 yards for Javarius uh Capers had 16 uh Coymore had 14 like that that for your wide receiver core is not acceptable for for guys like see John so thankful we have John Samuel Schinker because without him we would probably have only like a hundred yards passing this game. <laughs> I, what is? I never played football, so I realize you got to have the players, right? I just it it seems like you have the advantage on offense, even if you don't have a great O line. You can 
dial well, up quick, quick. How do you not get players open? I guess is my well, ultimate question. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a coach either, but I did play some football. And, you know, offense has the advantage because they know what's coming. They know the play. The defense is very reactionary of what does the player on the other side of the ball do? You know, what does the wide receiver do? What does the running back do? And they react based off of that. So if you can, again, that comes back to coaching, scheme the guy open to make them think you're doing one thing when you're doing another. And that's when the success and the open passes and all of that happen. I just don't understand how you cannot get, when they are not legally supposed to be able to touch you and you are a power five athlete and you know the route, how we cannot get more guys open. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, the, the rules are built for you to get guys open. Right. And we can't do it. Right. So, and that's the weird part. Like, I feel like, you know, bringing in a new wide receiver coach, we were just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I remember preseason even thinking, wow, you look at these wide receivers, this year we're in a better spot. And not even this year or this game, I think even last game, like, you know, Shedrick Jackson has kind of fallen off. Like, is he quitting? Like, is he quitting on the team? Or is it just like these younger guys are rising up and passing him? a guy who's been here so long. And it's like, this is, you know, the wide receiver room is such a weird hodgepodge of different players. You you got I will give, I, I kill you this. We, we've dropped way fewer passes this year. Yes. Um, uh, so I do think there's improvement there. You got to have a go-to guy. I mean, you had, when I was in college or, or even like 20, whatever, you know, in the past years, you had Darvin Adams. Um, you had um, uh, Slayton. You had uh, who was the guy that would go up and catch any? Um, he was a deep threat guy in Gus twenty thirteen, I think. I can't uh, think of his name. Um, but uh, you had uh, guys, uh, Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates. Yeah, yeah. You had guys like that. You had uh, in two thousand four uh, the guy that caught the ball in the end zone against LSU to seal that game. I had, I had a class with him actually. I can't think of his name. But you had you had guys that you could rely on when it was third and four. I'm going to him. He's going to be open and it's going to be a first down. Yeah. We don't have that guy. I don't know where yeah. we're going on third and four. Probably backwards. <laughs> um, I don't know what you, you, you gotta have, you gotta have go-to players. Yeah. And I think we do a running back. Um, I think JJ can be that at receiver, but I mean, his first catch was like the third quarter and it was a, it was a heck of a throw by Robbie. Robbie was backpedaling. Oh yeah. Throws it before JJ breaks his route. That's the stuff you watch Robbie do and you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And then you watch him do the simple stuff or not do the simple. I mean, AJ, I'm going to tell you, man, I think he scores if he doesn't fumble that ball. And I think he saw it because if you no. get that behind the scene view, there was nobody. Yeah. Either that or he breaks a 30, 40 yard run. And I, I, like I kept telling my wife watching the game, I was like, you get somebody like Robbie kind of reminds me of Bo. When you get him running and he's successful at running, that opens up the whole playbook because he can, you know, he's feeling it. He's in a zone, and that's that's when your your offense gets clicking. And I agree. Like when he fumbled, I was like, "Okay, here we go." Like, I mean, the game was pretty much already in hand, but like that for sure was the final nail in the coffin before the final whistle. <laughs> well, and it hurt seeing the fumble from the side, and then when they showed from behind, I'm like, "There, there's nobody." It was nobody. it looked like it looked like Stetson Bennett's run where nobody was there. Right, it, the middle of the field was wide open. And Robbie would Robbie's way faster than Stetson, so uh-huh. it would have been a nice play. Yeah, and it's it's really again frustrating because we've seen the explosive plays that you know Robbie can do while running the ball, and yet he's had 
so many fumbles this year. I mean, I think he has the most. I saw a stat. I think he has the most fumbles of any one player in college football. I think he's probably. I I think it was the Bo. I think Bo tried to do too much. I think Bo knew he had to try to do too much, and mm-hmm. I think Robbie might be doing the same thing. Um, they're they're trying too hard because they nothing else is working. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was in their position too, I'd be like, "Hey, I I played within the system for half a game, and it wasn't working. We got zero yeah. points on the scoreboard. I gotta make something happen." I, I'm not blaming them, and and we saw at LSU last year that sometimes that works, right? Yeah. Um, it can't be your offensive formula, though. I think it's it's being proven that that can't be what you rely on to just kind of make something happen, um, because more times than not, it it winds up turning into something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then that's not Robbie's fault. I'm not blaming Robbie. I'm not blaming Bo. I think that though they would get too ahead of themselves because they were trying to make something happen because um, they had to, and that all comes back to the we haven't had a good O line for three or four years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about defense and the special teams. Wrap things up real quick. A um, couple of players really stood out to me. Uh, first off, Donovan Kaufman. He had quite a game. Uh, had seven tackles. Uh, I mean, the dude was everywhere. And, I mean, he had to be. And that's what he did. He put a lot of pressure on the wide receivers. He made tackles when he needed to. He almost even had an interception. Um, and he actually got graded the highest defensive back for Auburn on pro football focus. Uh, and rightly so, because he was he was doing his job. Um, another guy, DJ James from the uh, secondary uh, he also pr- played pretty darn well at four tackles. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I keep watching DJ James because I think he has one of the highest ceilings of any of our secondary players. And there was one play he tripped. If Stetson doesn't throw the ball, uh, way over his wide receiver's head, it's probably a touchdown for Georgia. And I thought, also thought it was kind of interesting. I was talking to a couple of Georgia fans today and, uh, they were just talking about, Stetson used to be the touch deep ball kind of guy, and that's not happening this this year for him nearly as much as he's hoped. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what that is if that's you know teams figuring him out, but you know that I think that you know also is a part of defensive backs you know putting you know keeping tight pressure on uh, wide receivers. Um, also, Colby Wooden that strip sack that was amazing. Um, to get a strip sack when, you know, Georgia, you know, we, we needed that, <laughs> um, at that moment in the game and we made it happen. So, you know, props to them for, you know, turning that over. Um, and you know, if you look at the turnover battle, <laughs> we were even one and one this game. So I guess that's improvement, right? Kind of. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. I won't bring back up the fake punt technically being a turnover. I guess I just did bring it up, but yeah, <laughs> I mean the actual turnover, turnover. Yeah, we we were tied. Yeah, um, one other player, Derek Hall. Um, towards the end of the game, uh, it looked like he came off the field a little injured. Uh, he kind of came on to one of the plays kind of slow, and he actually got called for being offsides. Um, and then literally right after that, he uh, went off the field. Which you know, what's crazy is we, you know pretty much have like three guys at edge maybe two really two at this point if you you know Derek Hall yeah it seems like he's coming back but only really two guys at edge that are on scholarship that we knew it was going to be a weak area but now not having Eku and now Derek Hall being injured 
That's pretty crazy to me. So it's a rough spot. It's a rough spot to be at. Um, I've already mentioned on special teams, Oscar Chapman doing his job, but he was, he was doing everything and that he could, uh, to do his job and, you know, put us in a position to win. Uh, he had an average again, around 44.7 yards per punt. He had nine punts. Like if you, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. The game program, like the digital one that Auburn sends out was featuring Oscar Chapman before this game. And my dad was like, we're featuring the punter for the Georgia game. This is not good. And I was like, well, he's about to have a game. And sure enough, he did. Um, so, yeah, good for him. He even had a long uh, 56. So, I mean, he's doing his job out there. Um, so, hey, hey, and also, honors. Honors made a 30-yarder. So Yeah, yeah, he did. I love that. Maybe give him some more confidence. I mean, if you look at his stats for this year, yeah, if we you you forget about the you know what three field goals essentially you missed in the game, and then you know get some extras uh, just because of penalties. I mean, this year he's not doing half bad. He's at seventy five percent field goal percentage right now. Yeah, as overall, much as we hate on him. <laughs> yeah, I think he. I think there's been two or three offsides that don't reflect in the numbers. But you know, again, offsides maybe that. Uh, maybe that throws your timing off. He sees that offsides and, the, you know, who knows? So, but yeah. yeah, I mean, overall, his numbers are not terrible. Yeah. All right. So I know we've talked a lot. Um, most of it has been uh, kind of talking about the coaching. But, you know, how how do we, you know, get past this? Is there a way <laughs> to get past this? Uh, I mean, if, if you're new to being an Auburn fan, I don't know what you do. If you're <laughs> – uh, I mean, if you're used to it, then yeah, you you probably, like I said, you kind of become numb to it. But you know, if you're talking, are you talking about emotionally, or are you talking about how does actually Auburn do it? I I think the players. I I mean, us emotionally, again, like I'm at a spot of I I go into these games with little to no confidence that we'll win, and if we do something good, then I am impressed. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. But let's talk about the players. You know, how do they move past this? Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm in a. I've never been a player, not in a football. And you know, um, I did play soccer and stuff. I, I feel like they probably are able to move on better than fans. Um, you know, just even from a, uh, just by by default, they have to show up the next day and start practicing. Yep. So I think it. You know, anytime you get your mind off something, all right, we're we. You literally have to forget about Georgia. We are now game planning for Ole Miss. Yep. And, you know, they hear the noise and everything. I think the best thing for players to do, and they probably do this to some degree, you can't get on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't do it. Um, if you want to move past something because that's just not a good place really for anybody to be. <laughs> but definitely, you know, when people are talking directly about you. Right. So, uh, um, I think the players will do a fine job of moving on. Um, that's just that's the nature of the business, man. They have to. Right flush it down and uh, start prepping for Ole Miss. Right. I mean, I'm sure even in high school, you, you have that same pressure. If you don't, didn't have a good game, you're going to see some tweets or posts of, you know, this person thought you did a terrible job and like that stuff gets inside your head. Um, and really you just got to focus on what's the task ahead of you. I, I hate giving any Georgia player credit, but Stetson Bennett, um, you know, he had a terrible SEC championship game and they asked him like how are you going to handle this he's like well you know he didn't even have a social media account he said uh, he was saying he had a flip phone hmm. like I don't even have a 
and really that that's a little extreme but i mean good for him man i mean if you if you're i don't you, you got it you can't be listening to that outside noise there's yeah. no way you can do your job if you're listening to that outside noise right um and the fans do not know if you're listening to this right now players y'all know more than we do and y'all y'all are giving it everything you got um and just you know don't listen to fans you do the best you can um and you know that's all you can do man yeah and being a previous player when i knew i did that i i already knew i did that you didn't have to you know yeah, you don't have read to the tabloids yeah. Yeah. To, to see you know i did that so like really like what is the player gonna do they're gonna you know put your head down hey i did this play wrong what am i gonna do right the next time and that's all you can do you got two options you can quit or you can get back up and try to go do better next time right and you know most people aren't gonna quit which is good so you get back up and you try it again that's all you can do yeah absolutely all right jared how can people stay in touch with you you can find me on facebook under my name jared davis and uh, you can find me on twitter ajay jay underscore it's always great to be an auburn tiger and war eagle war eagle Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.